getting born again, as, as big a decision, as life-changing, destiny-altering, eternity-altering decision as that is, it's still so simple. I mean, God has made this so easy. He didn't require you to jump through any hoops. He didn't require you to check any boxes. There wasn't even any paperwork. That's awesome. I mean, it's harder to buy a house than it is to give your heart to the Lord. No paperwork. I love that. It's easy. It's easy. So why do we think that walking is supposed to be complicated? Why do we think that walking in him and walking with him is supposed to be so complex and so complicated? It's so easy to receive him and yet so hard to walk with him? That doesn't make sense. I mean, think about that. There's so many millions of Christians that believe that way and live that way. They know how easy it is to be born again. Oh, but this Christian life, my dear brother, my sister, it's a hard life. It's a hard road to hoe. Oh, there's many, many challenges. And What's that called if, if, if you make it easy to get into a place but impossible to, to be in it? That's called a trap. That's called a trap. People lure animals into a trap. It was so easy. Oh, look here. Just a little something to eat. Come on in. Slam. Trap. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Christianity is not a trap. Walking with him is not a trap. God has not said, oh, look, it's so easy to be born again. Come on in. Door slam. You're mine now. <laughs> God has no evil, maniacal laugh. It was easy to get in, and it's a joy to walk with him. It's a joy to, to fellowship. As you received him, so walk in him. The way you received him is the way you walk in him. This is how you get your course, your life, the path you're on established. Look at something else here. I've got several verses for you today, so we won't take time to turn to all of them. But put this on the screen for us, guys. Job... Chapter 22, verse 28. Job 22, 28. What does it say? It says, you will declare a thing. Other translations say, you'll decree a thing. And it will be what? Established for you. So light will shine on your ways. Or you could say on your path. The path uh, of the just is like the shining light. Isn't that what Proverbs 4 says? It gets brighter and brighter. But what did he say? You, you. He's talking to you. You say it and the result is establishing. You declare a thing and it will be established. God's given you a lot of authority in your own life given you a lot of power in your own life. Do the words coming out of your mouth have anything to do with the direction your life is headed in? Oh, they do. The book of Proverbs, chapter 18, you know this one. Death and life are where? In the power of whose tongue? Yours, mine. 
What are the two roads anybody can find themselves on in life? The road that leads to death, the road that leads to life. And what did he say? Death and life. Which road you end up on is in the power of your tongue. Do your words have anything to do with the path you're on in this life? Oh, baby, do they? Oh, man, your words. You declare it, it'll be established. This was a big deal in my house growing up. Growing up as a kid in the house that I grew up in, this was one of the big things, man. This was one of the things that made my house my house. It was a big deal. We watched our words. Let me say it like this. Mom and dad watched my words. <laughs> and there was just some things we didn't say. Hmm? I don't know if you grew up in a house like that or are familiar with what I'm talking about, but, but there was just some things growing up in that house that we did not say. We didn't talk about what we couldn't do. We didn't talk about what we didn't have, what we didn't know. We didn't say all that. We certainly didn't say a bunch of things about being so sick of this or my joints are killing me or I'm dying to do that. We didn't, man, that's cussing in the house I grew up in. As a matter of fact, I think you probably could have gotten more trouble for some of those words than for some cuss words because that stuff is just stuff we didn't talk about. It's things we didn't let come out of our mouths. And all of that, that may sound funny to you, but Jesus himself said in the book of Mark chapter 11 that uh, if you would say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you said will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. And I'm surprised I don't have a tattoo of that verse on my chest to this day <laughs> because that was such a big deal in my house. Romans chapter four, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they are. That's the way we lived. So it wasn't about talking about how you feel. It wasn't about talking about what you have or don't have. It was like, come on, Jeremy, don't say what you have. Say what you want. Don't say what you feel. Say what you believe. This is a different way of living. And there was a big time revelation growing up in this house that your words, my words are determining the course of action that my life will follow, the path that I end up on in this life is in large part directed by the words coming out of my mouth. Do your words have anything to do with the direction your life is on? They do. And do you know there is much of the body of Christ that will absolutely fight you tooth and nail on this right here? They will fight this. Oh, you just, those confess it and possess it, blab it and grab it. Bunch of pre people preaching this stuff. Ah, oh, there's nothing to that. There's no truth to that. Careful who you call a liar. Because Jesus said, Kenneth Hagin did not write Mark 11, 23 and 24. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland did not write Mark 11, 23, 24. No other Kenneth, for that matter, wrote Mark 11, 23 and 24. Jesus said, Come on, church, help me out. Jesus said, what did he say? You can have what you say. You can have what you say. You can have what you say. But to people who challenge this and want to argue with it, my response is simple. 
If there's no power in our confession, then we're all going to hell. I can prove that to you. Go to the book of Romans with me, chapter 10. Do our words direct our lives? Yes, they do. Romans chapter 10. Let me read several verses to you here. Just beginning verse 1, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, listen to these words, and seeking to establish their own righteousness. What are we talking about? Being established in faith. He said, look at it again. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. Verse three, seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law of a man who does those things shall live by them. But verse six, the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of faith. Just listen to those words. The righteousness of faith. Faith in what? Faith in God. Faith in Jesus. Faith in his word. This is not establishing your own righteousness. This is the righteousness of God, which is the righteousness that comes by faith. See, we're back to Colossians 2, 6. As you have received him. Because when you received him, that's when you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you did that through faith. Remember how simple God made it? That's the thing with the law. The righteousness according to the law, it was complex. It was burdensome. It was hard. There was paperwork. But the righteousness of faith is simple. And this is not establishing your own righteousness. This is submitting to his righteousness. And he said here in verse six, listen, this is about the righteousness of faith. Verse six, the righteousness of faith. What's that next word? Speaks. The righteousness of faith speaks. The righteousness of faith says something. There is a, a vocalization that comes along with the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of faith, he says, speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? What does the righteousness of faith say? The word is near you, where? In your mouth and in your heart. And that is the word of faith, he said, which we preach. The word of faith, which we preach. What is the word of faith? The word of faith is the recognition, the revelation that the word is in my mouth and it's in my heart. Now, I read all this to you because what Paul was doing here by the Spirit of God, he was actually going back to the Old Testament. And I do mean old. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And, and he's quoting Moses in that chapter when, when Moses said to the people, you remember this verse, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. I have set before you, who remembers? Life, death. This road, that road. But what did he say? 
Choose life. I love all those verses when you go back and look at it because literally what he said to them, look this up, it's Deuteronomy 30, I think around verse 15 or so. He said, this is not too mysterious. Don't you like that? This is simple. This is not complex. This is not too mysterious for you. He said, this is not far from you. He said, don't say who's going to go to heaven and bring this back for us. Don't say who's going to dive to the deepest depths to find this for us. Don't say who's going to cross the ocean and climb a mountain for us. This is, it's not so far away. It's not so far away. See, other, other religions and even people with the wrong mentality about Christianity, it's too complicated. Other religions might send you up to the peak of the highest mountain in this remote part of the planet and there's a 400-year-old bald man sitting there who you get to ask him three questions about the meaning of life. And this is hard stuff. Don't you dare get up there and be like, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> What's Moses saying? This is not mysterious. He said, it's not far from you. Where is it? It's actually in your heart and it's in your mouth. The answer, the word, it's not far from you. Somebody say, it's not far from me. This is not mysterious, hard, complex, complicated. It's in your mouth. And this is the word of faith. What is the word of faith? Chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Simple. How? How did you receive him? Because whatever way, whatever method by which you received him, what else do you know? That's how you're going to have to walk with him. That's how you walk with him. That's how you walk in him. So how did you receive him? You said something. Don't tell me this confession stuff doesn't work. Do not tell me that we do not possess what we confess. If we don't possess what we confess, then I don't possess Jesus as my Lord. And if this confession stuff doesn't work, I'm not saved and you're not saved. You better hope this confession stuff works. What is the word of faith that's right there in your heart and right there in your mouth? If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth. What does the righteousness of faith do? It speaks. It says something. And what does it say? It confesses that Jesus is their Lord, and that confession is made unto salvation. The way that you received him is the way you walk with him. If you received him by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, how do you walk with him? Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. See, it's the same simplicity with which you received him is the simplicity with which we walk with him. Now there's been, I don't want to say a misunderstanding, but maybe a, a shallow understanding, an incomplete understanding of what this meant to confess the Lord Jesus. Go to the book of Luke with me, chapter 12.
In Luke chapter 12, we read the words of Jesus. And he said in verse 8, Also I say to you, whoever confesses me. Does your confession have anything to do with the road you're walking in this life? Yes. Whoever confesses me before men. Make note of those words. Whoever confesses me before men him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Now our understanding of what it means to confess Jesus, or really to confess anything. I told you I grew up in a house where we made a big deal out of our confession. And, and now Sarah and I are parents in a house where we make a big deal out of confession. This is why we printed this thing for your children, for your family. This is that Who Am I card that we want every one of you to have. If you don't have it, it's online. We can get one for you. But it's a list of, I, I don't know how many confessions based in the Word of God about who you are according to the Word. I am His and He is mine. I am adopted in the Beloved. I am valuable. I was bought with a price. I am chosen by God. I'm holy. I'm blameless before him in love. I'm God's handiwork. I'm precious in his sight. I'm God's special treasure. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I'm a disciple taught of the Lord. Great is my peace and my undisturbed composure. I am protected. No weapon formed against me will prosper. This is stuff you need to be getting in the heart and in the mouth of your children on a daily basis. We're looking at this as a family all the time. We'll sit around the breakfast table and look at it. My, our daughter, Jessie, will read it to the family in the car on the way to school. We get these confessions coming out of our hearts and out of our mouths. Why? Because these words are directing the course we take in this life. How many think it would be a good idea to get your kids talking this stuff instead of talking defeat, instead of talking what they can't do, what they don't have, what they don't know, Get them talking who they are in Jesus and who Jesus is in them. But our idea and concept of confession, whether it's one of these or whether it's the confession of Jesus as Lord being born again, I don't know that it's been totally complete. When Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the angels of God. I think our understanding of that has been like this, where a preacher stands on a platform at the end of a service and says, bow your heads and close your eyes. And if there's anybody in here who's not yet made Jesus the Lord of your life, raise your hand, allow us to pray with you. And I've said these things, and these are good things. And with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, you hear the preacher say, Jesus said, if you would confess him before men, he would confess you before God and all the angels. So come to this altar today and confess before the men and women in this room that he is Lord and, and he'll be your Lord. And that is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. But Jesus, I think, makes more clear if you keep reading what exactly he was talking about. He said, if you confess me, I'll confess you. If you deny me, I'm going to deny you. We need to understand what these two words mean. To confess, of course, it means what you think, to say something, to say it out loud. The word literally means to say the same thing as. So to confess that Jesus is Lord, you are saying about Jesus what God has said about Jesus. You're saying the same thing about him that the word says about him, and that's where the power is to save you. 
But the word confess also literally means to covenant. I like to use this word. It means to claim. What did Jesus say? If you claim me, I'll claim you. If you claim me as your Lord, I'll claim you as brother, as sister, as a joint heir with me. To confess him is to claim him. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we are to hold fast to our what? Our confession. Hold on to it. Why would you have to hold on to it? Now, again, people think, well, hold on to your confession. If you're sick and you feel sick, confess that you're healed and hold on to that. Yeah, absolutely. But, but anything you say and confess about your healing, your deliverance, your peace, your prosperity, all of it, listen to me, is rooted in this confession. Jesus is Lord. Christianity has been called the great confession. What's that a reference to? It is confessing Jesus is Lord, claiming Jesus. Then he said what? If you deny me, I'll deny you. You want to know what that word means? To disown. If you claim me, I'll claim you. If you deny me, I'll deny you. If you disown me, I have to disown you. If you look down just a couple of verses, I believe this is what he's talking about. Verse 11. When they bring you to the synagogue and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you're supposed to say. He's not just referring to the invitation to an altar from a preacher. What did he talk about? Getting hauled before the synagogue. Getting hauled before religious leaders. Getting hauled before political leaders. And he's talking about what comes out of your mouth then. Because it's one thing for me and you to sit up in this church, the Lord's house, Right? Anybody in this place claim Jesus? Oh, I claim Jesus. He is my Lord. It's easy for me and you to shout up in this place, surrounded by a bunch of people who all think the same way and believe the same way and shouting about the same stuff. But he's talking about a slightly different setting than this one. He's talking about this world we live in. When they haul you up before people of influence, when they haul you before people who can make or break, so to speak, your life and the direction you take, people who can do something for you or something against you, what are you going to say then? What are you going to claim then? Because you can claim him here and now and praise God you should and I hope you do. But what about when you get outside this place? Will you still confess? Will you hold fast, cling to your confession? Because remember, it's this confession that puts you on the path to life. But there's pressure on this path. It's the pressure to get you off the path. It's the persecution that arises against you while you're on the path to get you to let go 
of that confession. And that's really all a symptom in your body is. It's pressure to get you to stop saying you're healed. To stop that confession. That's what sin is. It's pressure on the flesh to get you to stop saying I'm the righteousness of God. It's pressure to let go of the confession. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.